Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. The Peoria area this weekend may see some relief from a drought that's getting worse and worse in the state of Illinois, but it likely won't last long. While it may mean a break from mowing the lawn for you and me, it unfortunately also means potential problems for the agriculture community in the area. WMBD's Dan DiOrio talked about the drought and some other agriculture issues with WMBD Agribusiness Director DeLos Yonke. Right now, now we've been through droughts before. Yep. At this point, where does it compare to droughts in the past? Well, uh, I was just looking at uh, one in particular, Champaign, fourth driest, uh, April 1 through June 19, four and a half inches. 1988 was about three and a third. And so that's, you know, normally you might get 10 inches of rain during that time frame, but instead getting four. That's not very good. And then I'll tell you, days like this, or tomorrow when you had 95 degrees, that's really no good. And especially for that early planted corn, that's what I wonder about. Let's see what Peoria. Peoria, eighth driest since 1883, since April 1. Normal fourth driest. Uh, both cases, not even five inches of rain. Peoria down six and a half from normal. Normal down seven inches from, from average. You know, we're getting to the point where pretty soon corn's going to be tasseling, it's going to be going through some reproductive stages, and it's, it's going to need some help because, um, you know, if, if, if it's going to stay this dry, and especially with this heat now, if it's going to be that stressed, it's, it's just not good for business. Well, for us city boys who don't know much about it, um, I, I heard that right now is when the corn plant, based on its moisture, based on where its growth is, starts determining how many ears of corn it's going to put out. Yeah, I've heard people talking about that, too. That uh, And what I think about, I, what I certainly hope doesn't come to pass, is Nebraska, western Corn Belt states last year had a uh, terrible drought, and the, the ears were just so inconsistent. Some of them just had little nubbins for... For corn kernels on them, some of them didn't fill out at all. Uh, even the irrigated corn had a tough time being able to get through that. So, yeah, you're, you're getting soon. Uh, some enough. It was planted May one or somewhere around there. Then, then hopefully you've got some time. But um, yeah, it just seems like every day we go without uh, is uh, has the potential to make things worse. We're talking to the big Al, the lost Yankee, our ag expert. What does this do to commodity prices? Because I know in the last few years, Iowa had their problems, but we had enough rain where uh, we made up some of that production. Um, and, but it looks like across the board from Iowa into Illinois into Nebraska, the drought's pretty widespread, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it has. And, uh, now, it'll be quite curious to see how we do today uh, because going in, going into this, the markets have certainly moved higher at a time when they don't necessarily move higher. Some say, like last year, we started falling out of bed at Father's Day, and um, 
yesterday we lost a bunch of ground, but before that we had kept moving higher. We had the December futures price for corn. That's the the new crop price. It was down. It hit a low of four ninety a few weeks ago, and now it's above six dollars again. Um, so it it has it has certainly the 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 dry weather has certainly had an impact on prices. People are questioning, and and it's hard to really. Some people say we shouldn't even be having these conversations about you know trying to figure out what what's going to happen to yield, considering it's still June. But um, it, it's really brought up an interesting topic though, because okay, the price has come back to a more attractive level, but how much do I want to market? How much do I want to put on the books now? if I'm too concerned about what production is going to be like. So we finally have a, a better price, but we don't know what to do about it. So it, it's, it's become a, an interesting marketing challenge for a lot of folks. Well, we're supposed to get some rain, possibly. 70% of the area won't be enough, but we may get some rain. And there's some storms coming in, I guess, late next week, possible. Let's shift to something else, and that is, you know, inflation in the market in general. And some people say the reason inflation is around is greedflation. Those who have inflated prices aren't lowering them. They're like, well, people are still buying and a lot of them point to the big meat producers, especially the price of beef and chicken. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, that's, that's interesting. I, I I don't think that the beef. This is having talked to economists before that they would they were saying even a year ago, like in the case of beef, that the price increases were not a result of just inflation. It was actually uh, a, an increase in the demand for the products. So that, that, that is that's a good question. I, I think right now, from what people say, there is just such a uh, lighter supply of ready for finished meat for for the for the animals you know the, the supply of of harvest ready uh beef is so low that it has increased the price considerably and then just another example of the drought last year there were there were so many cows there were so many heifers that were sold last year because there just wasn't enough grass there wasn't enough hay there wasn't enough water and it's going to take a while to get that cycle back and then in, for chicken we had uh, um Highly pathogenic avian influenza last year that killed 50 million birds. Yeah. So it, it took some time to bring those supplies back. Uh, you know, one thing I find interesting though, uh, and I saw it today, I just before, before you called, uh, I was at a convenience store. They don't have prices on their bottles of water anymore. You go to some restaurants, they don't have prices on their menu items anymore. Certainly not on their drinks. Mm. Because I, I think they just don't want you to know. Like you know, I went to a sandwich place, and it's a place I like going. But the chips and a drink combo was three sixty nine. Yeah. Before tax, you know, if I'd taken my kids, three kids, that would have been what eleven bucks. I know. I'm starting to turn into my grandpa. I'm back in a cooler now. 
Yeah. Well, uh, I know, and it, that's the inflation that people are talking about. It's that everyday stuff that just nips away at a lot of middle-class people that they can't afford. You know, when I go, do go to the store, it's amazing how still affordable pork is. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm amazed by that as well. And it's, you know, it's right next to the beef in the meat case. And you can easily find a couple of pork chops for three and a half to four bucks. Oh, yeah, or so pork tenderloin. That, Some, sometimes those uh, market specials, the... Uh, meat specials that they put on, buy by a certain date. You can get a full pork tenderloin for like eight ninety nine, seven ninety nine. That'll last you a week. It's amazing. Well, we got to go. Right. I, I will say this though about prices. I don't care how expensive steak gets; it's still mm. cheaper than fake meat. How come fake oh. meat costs twice as much as real meat? Absolutely. And, yeah. and why do they call the fake meat healthy when it's full of additives and carcinogens and all that? And who knows what that recipe label's like. Some of it's similar to dog food. Yeah. And beef, you know, T-bone steak recipe is, is T-bone steak. WMBD Agribusiness Director DeLos Yonke with Dan DiOrio. More Week in Review coming up. Before it finished its business for the spring, the Illinois General Assembly approved legislation that Secretary of State Alexei Janoulias says will, in his words, end the stigma for immigrant drivers and make Illinois roads safer. The legislation will expand identification options, Janoulias says, for undocumented immigrants. Here's part of a news conference the Secretary of State recently had on that. House Bill 3882 gives immigrant drivers the opportunity to obtain a standard driver's license instead of a TVDL, as they're known. The bill is currently awaiting the governor's signature. I feel confident about it happening very soon after passing both the House and the Senate. So I want to thank all the legislators um, for all their hard work, for their advocacy. I also want to especially thank two of my closest friends and closest allies in the legislature, Representative Barbara Hernandez uh, and Senator Ron Billy Vallum, for their leadership, for their work on this, um, and, their, and for their tireless advocacy. And I think seeing and hearing from Representative Hernandez, seeing the family that Senator Billy Vallum has come from, also being the son of two Greek immigrants myself, this is what has made this the greatest city, the greatest state in the country. That's why this legislation is so important. It's who we are as individuals, not just as elected officials. When I was running for Secretary of State, I spent a great deal of time sharing my vision for the office, but I also prioritized something else as we visited communities throughout the state. I listened. I listened and learned about situations our residents experienced that were directly related to the Secretary of State's office. I listened to the experiences that drivers and families had when they were pulled over and presented the officer with a TVDL and the emotion that these individuals felt that Representative Hernandez mentioned. They know and the officer knows that this form of ID essentially serves as an admission of being undocumented or having a temporary visa. TVDLs have become the scarlet letter of someone's immigration status and sadly exposes them to discrimination or immigration enforcement. 
As I mentioned, in Illinois, we are a melting pot. Our state embraces people from all backgrounds. Our communities are more vibrant because of this welcoming culture that has been woven into the fabric of Illinois. I am proud, very proud, that House Bill 3882 will replace TVDLs with a standard driver's license or ID card. The only physical difference between a TVDL and a standard driver's license is the purple marker and the wording not valid for identification, which currently exists on TVDLs, will no longer appear. Currently, TVDLs cannot be used for identification purposes, even though the people who carry them need to provide proof of identity when they apply. In many cases, sadly, a TVDL isn't an accepted form of identification when it comes to doing routine but essential tasks like picking up medication from a pharmacy, medication for a family member, signing an apartment lease for your family's home, or using it simply to verify your age. Well, our legislation changes that, enabling people who would otherwise receive a TVDL to get a standard license or state ID is a matter of basic respect and equality. Immigrants live, work, and drive like everyone else. This measure is about belonging. But this effort is not just about fairness and equality. It's also about safety. Allowing immigrants to earn a driver's license regardless of their legal status improves road safety for everyone on the road. Applicants are incentivized to come to our facilities and take the necessary vision, road, and um, written tests. They are also required to prove that they are properly insured when they are on, road, on the road. These requirements do not change under this proposal. There is a common belief out there that undocumented immigrants have no identification. This is a misnomer. To qualify for a driver's license, they must have a passport or consular card. When the lawmakers approved TVDLs in 2013, Illinois was a national leader. We set a trend, and since then, 19 states have since passed similar legislation. As of today, in Illinois, more than 300,000 people currently hold TVDL driver's license. Since then, other states have gone further, implementing laws mirroring this proposal to issue standard real ID licenses to undocumented immigrants. It's important to note that this standard driver's license does not uh, meet federal real ID requirements, which we've heard the rumblings of, especially from the other side, which are set to take place uh, in May of 2025. Let's set the record straight. The phrase federal limit supply will be printed along the top of the standard driver's license or ID per the Real ID Act. But the wording, not valid for identification, which is deep and personal and powerful and dangerous, will be removed, and that will be life-altering for the party. I also want to point out scare tactics from the other side. Another important point, this legislation will not allow these individuals to be placed on our voter rolls, and they will not be eligible for a real ID. It's important that facts are facts and facts matter, and that people know them. My office has strict safeguards in place to prevent that from occurring. I am proud of Illinois. I am proud to live in this state. Illinois embraces immigrants who are in search of the American dream. And I see people across the state who represent the very best of America. Whether you're Sam Ma from Chinatown, my friend Martin Cabrera, 
who is a role model for so many people in the private sector, for so many of the groups here that do important, tireless work to advocate for their communities. That's what we're here for. We have leaders who want to give immigrants a chance to experience one of the principles that our nation was built on, that all people are created equal. We are a state that inspires the audacity of enriching our melting pot, embracing diversity for those seeking a better life, and working together to find solutions that will ensure a brighter future for everyone. I believe in Illinois, and as the proud son of two immigrant parents, I know this measure represents life-changing legislation for not only the 300,000 TVDL holders, but many more that will now show up at our facilities to get their driver's license and IDs. I want to thank you again uh, for being here. I want to thank you for your support. I want to thank our legislators and our leaders uh, for being such awesome advocates for this legislation and for fighting every single day uh, in Springfield. Hey, my name is Adelaida Luna and I'm a member of Centro de Trabajadores Unidos United Worker Center. For many years, we, the immigrant community, have fought to be able to get licenses in Illinois. We won a kind of license in 2013, but there were restrictions that caused people to be able to identify us as undocumented. We accepted those licenses, but we never stopped fighting so that we could have the same licenses as everyone else. For the last six months, we have been going to Springfield to ask our representatives to give us full licenses that will greatly benefit us, as we will have a valid ID for banks and schools. This victory was won because we united as a community and fought for our rights. Thank you for organizations like Centro de Trabajadores Unidos and ICER, who supported us to organize and fight. United, we are strong. When we unite together in the fight, there are many of us. In this country, there are not just 11 million, nor 22 million. There are more. I went to Springfield every month with ICER, and I would like to thank all of my um, compañeros and colleagues who went with me, because we all fought. And thanks to everyone, we were able to win licenses. I would also like to thank the representative, re representatives who supported us in this fight. Thank you very much. My name is Priya Vaikuntapathy. I'm an organizer at the Indo-American Center, and I'm here to share a few stories from our community for those who couldn't be here. Um, thank you. Okay, thank you to Senator Billy Vallum, Rep. Barbara Hernandez, and Secretary Giannullius and ICER for working incredibly hard to advocate for House Bill 3882. One of our leaders came all the way to Springfield to advocate for this bill as someone with TVDL. She had personally experienced the discrimination and stigma that came from having a temporary driver's license. People look at you differently, assume your life story, and don't fully understand how long the immigration process takes and the various reasons why someone might have a TVDL. No matter how long immigration processes take, immigrants are living now and deserve to live without discrimination and the constant fear of being asked for a valid ID. This bill will make sure that immigrant drivers don't get a license that's different from the standard four-year license and that everyone gets, and doesn't let anyone discriminate against people based on the type of license that they have. Under this bill, the Secretary of State will also be accepting passports and consular IDs that have been expired for up to two years. This is an incredible step that will help thousands of immigrants drive legally and get a legal state ID. With an ID, thousands of immigrants will finally be able to access simple things like an ITIN number, a bank account, returning an item at a store, going to a concert, and so much more. It's a great step in the right direction, but it still leaves out many people whose passports have been expired for longer. Many community members still have to experience the daily fear of someone asking for an ID because their countries don't renew their passports 
due to legal status, and they aren't able to return to potentially dangerous situations to get it renewed. We're so grateful that so many immigrants now have access to a legal state ID and hope that one day a bill like this will include other immigrants who have been here for years. Illinois Secretary of State Alexi Janulius and others. More Week in Review coming up. Earlier this week, our local tourism organization, Discover Peoria, once again honored a number of local small businesses who are making big names for themselves throughout the state of Illinois. They're called Illinois Makers, and WMBD's T.J. Carson talked about the process with Discover Peoria head J.D. D'Alfonso. Today we get to celebrate uh, four new inducted members into the Illinois Makers program, which is highlighted in partnership with the Illinois Office of Tourism and Discover Peoria, our Peoria Area Convention Visitors Bureau. So what does that mean? Is that uh, our staff has nominated local businesses in our own backyard of the seven counties we represent in central Illinois, and we get to talk about their unique um, stories and their products that are locally sourced and supported here in central Illinois. Uh, that being said, we have our door breads and provisions, Yenny's Palarte, we have J.K. Williams Distilling, and Black Band Distillery uh, here today being honored with this local award. So I guess for the uh, kind of a general question here, what exactly is an Illinois maker? What qualifies a business to be that? First and foremost, you need to be a small business that owns, it's owned and operated and locally sourcing their, your products and goods. The trophies you see here today are plates made from Mississippi mud down, I believe, in Alton, Illinois. And those are the trophies. So it's a small business's uh, product. So it could be you know pottery. Uh, it could be whiskey and distilling, uh, as, as we note here today. It could be a local ice cream shop. Uh, we've seen other, uh, we've seen uh, uh, whiskey architectural salvage being honored in the past. Thirty thirty coffee. So these small businesses that take pride in their backyard. So some of those requirements, uh, we see many of them, and we continue to nominate their 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 stories and, and their products at the at the state level. So basically, whatever you buy from one of these uh, stores or bakeries or such, you can trust that everything was made locally if they have that label. Yes, absolutely, and that's one of the requirements, and it's it's. It's double-checked throughout the progress, a process of the nomination. Uh, and then, you know, what comes afterwards is an incredible opportunity to be promoted at the state level and promoted at state itineraries with the state of Illinois, Illinois Office of Tourism, aside from what we're already doing at uh, Discover Peoria. Can you talk about how that promotion helps a business? Uh, you've talked about how other businesses in this area have received it. How does that promotion and that recognition help a business out? It's incredible because not only are we, we, we able to put their story and their business and their details of what they do on our local website, which can span across you know a, a large area, uh, what you have is now that another powerhouse of the state of Illinois, Illinois Office of Tourism, promoting that story as well. Who knows who, how many eyeballs are on that website and the itineraries that they're promoting. So not only do you see more foot traffic and support, but it highlights even further the, the quality of goods they're producing here locally, uh, and uh, it's showcased at a higher level. You talk about a lot of businesses that you guys have promoted that have received this award in the past couple of years and kind of one of the leaders in the state for that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and what that means? Yeah, aside from being able to tell great stories and have local businesses awarded and recognized for their incredible hard work and resiliency, particularly the last couple of years, what we've been able to do, and I'm really 
proud of our team for doing and our local businesses is that for the last two years, the Peoria area in which we represent has had the most awardees uh, than any other destination in the state of Illinois. So last year we had four awards. This year we had four awards, and that's more than any destination in the state, including any large cities we might find up north. (laughs) How many uh, businesses in the area have this designation? Because I looked through the pamphlet earlier, and there was a lot. Yeah, it's more than people may realize because we've been trying to nominate more people over the years. You'll have at least a dozen businesses here locally that you can find in in the guide that uh, the Illinois Office of Tourism puts out for Illinois makers. Uh, And so we're just looking to add to that list year over year. And these businesses, they're a big part of the local economy as well. Oh, without question. I think when we talk about economic opportunity and growth, uh, I think people are very surprised at how our small businesses really promote what that economic opportunity uh, uh, provides. Uh, The economic backbone that it brings to our, our hometowns. You know, these are the businesses that are providing goods for our residents and visitors alike. They're the ones that are supporting and sponsoring your local baseball teams, uh, you know, your your recitals, your charity events, uh, not just with their goods, but with their, their financial support as well, So, which is, emphasizes why, you know, aside from the great product that they produce, it's a reason for us to continue supporting small business. So let's talk about the four that have been honored today. Uh, they the four that's honored, they quench your thirst and fill your stomach. Oh, without a doubt, you have uh, you can have cocktails before a meal uh, at uh, you know Black Band Distilling uh, or J.K. Williams uh, bottle that you may have. Uh, then you can have a great meal at Outdoor Breads and Provisions, and then when you're done, you can head up to Peoria Heights and support Yanni's Pilarte uh, for a little ice cream. So, I mean, it covers everything you want in a meal, pre and, and post meal. So, I think that's uh, the uniqueness about I think this year's awards. Uh, we have some incredible stories behind some great. Great, great products. What made these four businesses stand out this year and made you want to nominate them for the Illinois Maker Award? Yeah, I think it's a great, you know, I think with our two distillers, um, we have great history rooted in what they're bringing to our local local economy and in our destination, right? Uh, with Whiskey City, uh, Whiskey Capital of the World, formerly before Prohibition, I think that plays a lot into the narrative as to why it's, it's so so great to have them honored here this year. Uh, is it, it kind of, it's a nod to our history and what made us, uh, put us on the map. Uh, and then you have a, a you know, Hispanic-owned business, of which is, you know, a minority-owned business, a uh, female Hispanic-owned business uh, that is just uh, doing a phenomenal creativity with ice cream. You know, having alcohol infused into some ice cream as an option for some adult uh, some adult clientele, that's something you don't get anywhere else. Uh, and then, you know, our door breads and provisions, that's, that's talking, taking French cuisine and culinary arts uh, and then bringing them to Peoria, Illinois, and then seeing the success expand further beyond just a little cafe they opened up. Can you talk about the selection process for how you nominate these businesses? Because obviously there's lots of worthy businesses in the area and it feels like it's tough to select just four yes so we our teams uh is continuing to comb small businesses that are and following up with them to see who's who's making sure that they fit the criteria for nomination so um we're proud to find businesses that we can find to nominate now we had four winners but we've nominated more and so uh, coming from that nomination process we come away with four winners and uh highly qualified winners uh, right now and there's more qualified winners that just weren't selected this year so we look forward to continuing to nominate them and partnering with our local municipalities that you know they call home uh, and continuing to add to that list.
And it doesn't sound like you're focused on just Peoria specific. We heard from a winner last year, Triple Dippers and Chillicothe, uh, Tanner's Orchard and Spear. That's another business that's part of this. So it's a regional thing almost. Without a doubt. And you have what we represent uh, seven counties in this Peoria area. That's it's Stark, Marshall, Peoria, Tazewell, Woodford, uh, Fulton, and Mason counties. Everywhere within there provides us opportunities to highlight small businesses, and we're continuing to do that. J.D. Delfonso of Discover Peoria talking with WMBD's T.J. Carson. More Week in Review coming up. It's a first-time initiative for CityLink and the Greater Peoria Mass Transit District. Bus 2245 now has a city scene on it, designed by Brenda Pagan, a founding member of the Peoria Guild of Black Artists. It has depictions of black residents on it, inspired in part by a picture of Pagan's father as a child. It also has various city scenes on it, from the Scottish Rite Cathedral to the Catholic Cathedral, and a skyscape described as pastoral. The unveiling was hosted earlier this week on Juneteenth by the Minority Business Development Center in South Peoria. The Greater Peoria Mass Transit District partnered with a number of organizations in order to have a contest of sorts to design the artwork that's on the bus. And Brenda Pagan, of course, was the winner. From a ceremony on Monday, here is CityLink Executive Director Doug Rolfs. This was a project that we kind of came up with uh... We want to use our buses for more than just advertising for businesses and so we kind of did a little brainstorming. Emily Watson, my marketing director, Nick Standifer, Vice uh, AGM, and then Shannon Robinson, my assistant director of operations. They're the committee that kept this going and uh, what we wanted to do was we put together a contest and uh, we wanted to include the uh, black artists in the community, and so they submitted proposals to us, and uh, we kind of went from there to choose the artist, and Brenda won the uh, overall first pick, and then she came up with this design. I think she had a couple other ones, but this is the one that stood out and we really liked. And, uh, you know, it kind of portrays a lot of different things about Peoria, the river, the landscape, the people, occupations. Uh, I just think it's an incredible overall design. Uh, now I'm going to invite Alexander Martin from the Peoria Guild of Black Artists to say a few words. Hello, good morning everybody. I am Alexander Martin. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. And I am a founding member of the Peoria Guild of Black Artists. Thank you so much for gathering here today. Um, thank you so much to everyone involved in making this happen. Um, I'm just gonna keep my statement short and sweet, um, but it is super important for any city to highlight its community. It is super important for any city to invest in the arts because the arts are the future. Regardless of other businesses and folks coming in, regardless of large scale organizations, the arts are always there. The arts represent the voice of the city and the voice of the people. And on a day like Juneteenth, it is extremely important to listen to our black community. You should be listening to them year-round, but today especially, <laughs> we should be listening. And so to get to highlight the black creatives of Peoria, to get to collaborate with something as crucial as the bus. So many people take the bus. I take the bus. It is an important mode of transportation. So to, to use that to share art with the entirety of the city is an amazing opportunity, one that I hope continues. 
um, to get to highlight the voices of black creatives, to highlight stories of Peoria. Like this is our community. This is what we do. This is what we're surrounded by. So to get to see that every day while you're waiting on the bus, I hope it shows other youth in the city that arts are an opportunity, that arts are a possibility. I hope it shows folks that they can invest in the arts in the city, invest in the black community, and celebrate and uplift black voices. Um, this collaboration was a perfect culmination of what the Guild of Black Artists represents, which is highlighting black creatives and black voices investing in black creatives and black voices, creating opportunities for them to get paid for their work and labor, um, and then getting to share that with the city. And so this is a perfect culmination of all of that. And I am so excited that it is happening and that we have this lovely artwork now that's going to go on tour, on tour, <laughs> throughout the entire city of Peoria. Next, Dr. May Gilliland, um, Gilliland Wright, uh, arts partner of Central Illinois. You know, when City League approached us about this project, I was thrilled public art is at its best when collaboration is part of the equation. At Arts Partners, a key element of our mission is to build awareness and strengthen the arts for the economic and cultural enrichment of Central Illinois. An essential part of how we do this is to engage the community with the arts. And this collaboration is one of many more that we hope to foster and develop. It is especially important to have public art that reflects who we are and what we value as a community. As the prominent journalist Jonathan Jones proclaimed once, art is language and public art is public speech. And I just want to add another quote to that from Mary Jane Jacob of the Art Institute of Chicago. The new public art demands and invites communication and the engagement of others. So in that spirit, I am beyond honored to read the artist's statement on behalf of Brenda Pagan about Peoria's newest mobile public art piece. She says, on Juneteenth, we celebrate our freedom to, from slavery, uh, but we also recognize the fight for, that the fight for freedom continues. That freedom to me also means the ability to rest, to take time, time to appreciate the detail and the beauty of life, time to breathe, time to heal, time to just be. I wanted to create a scene that looked towards a hopeful future for freedom while also celebrating how far we've come and all that we've accomplished along the way. This scene depicts folks learning, creating, exercising, relaxing, enjoying the surrounding world, working towards health, and spending time with family, and she puts in parentheses, I even used an old photograph of my dad as a kid with his dad. As a backdrop to this, I created rolling pastoral landscapes to depict growth and peace and a healthy earth, and of course, our river. I also added in quite a few old architectural landmarks of our Peoria River Valley. The significance of these old buildings not only lies in the beauty and structure they bring to the city, but they also hold so much of the story and history of a place, including the stories of the builders and crafters who brought them into being. I chose each structure to represent a different aspect of life in Peoria. As a final element, especially as this scene will be traveling through the city on a bus, I added a few roadways, like connecting streams running water throughout the scene. A reminder of all the different places we'll go and the roads that connect us. Brenda, what a gift you have given to our city. Thank you so much. And a person that uh, needs a little introduction, Denise Moore from the Minority Business Center. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Doug. Thank you all for being here. Isn't this a beautiful Monday morning, a beautiful Juneteenth day? So thank you all for being here. We here at the Minority Business Development Center rely on CityLink to bring students to our programs. So that when we were asked to, to host this event, we really jumped at that. We rely on partners in our community, like Officer Young here from the Peoria Police Department, who's always patrolling to make sure things are safe for us. And uh, 
arts partners, and my husband has been part of the arts scene here in Peoria for many, many years. And Amarin is here. Amarin Angie's here in the building. And I mention Amarin because the programs that this bus brings people to is sponsored by Amarin. And had that not been an opportunity, we wouldn't have those students coming here. So the, the community is very connected. And I have to say, Brenda, Brenda, we're here. She's so shy. Stand up so people can actually see who you are. That's Brenda. Thank you. She's very shy. So I'm not sure she's going to come up and speak, but that is why. But I have to tell you, Brenda's no stranger to this kind of work. If you see the uh, art that's on, on MacArthur next to what used to be called TT's Barbecue on MacArthur Highway, excuse me, on Western, Brenda did that along with, uh, she assisted uh, Rashad Reed to do that. If you drive up and down MacArthur on the NAACP building, Brenda was part of that project as well. So Brenda's been no stranger to our community or to the arts community, and she's been very much a part of what's happening. So thank you all for being here. Give yourself an, a, a, an applause for you being here, recognizing how important this is for our community. And the fact that, that her vision was, uh, oftentimes you will see when we're talking about Juneteenth or Black History Month or something like that, it's always chains or, or African-American, enslaved African-Americans running away or something like that. This is a different vision, trying to get beyond that. At some point in our community and in our world, we will get beyond those images and we will see this as a daily occurrence in our community. And uh, with all that's going on right now in the city of Peoria, this is something that is much more calming and will have that kind of an effect in our community. You know, when you, when you think it's just art, but it's not. You, when the people, when this is driving around, people are seeing that. And it's subliminally helping them to understand that there is more to the life than a lot of what they may be seeing in their communities. So thank you so much. I'm not gonna take over, because Doug, you know I can keep talking, but I won't. So I'll turn it back over to Doug, and I just really wanna appreciate you guys. When this is over, if you'd like to have a tour inside our building, we'd love to come and have you come in there and take a tour of a building that didn't look like this a, a, a short five years ago. But today, because of a lot of sponsorships, because a lot of uh, the, the, the county of Peoria, the state of Illinois, have really helped us to make this a jewel on the south side of Peoria. Thank you all for being here. CityLink Executive Director Doug Rolfs on Juneteenth, revealing the brand new Bus 2245 wrap for Juneteenth. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in Central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in Central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at WMBDRadio.com. Week in Review is also available in a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.